sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. We welcome you today. We're delighted to be along with you, and I trust that today we'll share a few things on the broadcast that will be a help to you. Every day we look forward to just getting the Bible open and spending some time feeding ourselves, really feasting ourselves on the good things that God has given us in His Word. And every day, I want to just say to you, if you're not a Christian, let us help you find the truth on that so that you can be sure that you're saved and heaven-bound. And if you are saved, we certainly want to be a blessing and a help to you. My current series of studies is built from a single word in the Psalms, but it appears numerous times, and we're looking at every single one of those occurrences in the Psalms. That word is the word blessed. We started chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 12, and so on. And now then, here we are at part number 4 of that series of studies. We're looking today at Psalm number 65, verse 4, where it says, right at the top of the verse, that word blessed occurs. So you'll notice that. And the verse says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Now, I'm calling this particular study the blessing of God's house. This is the Old Testament, of course, and I want us to look carefully and set this in its context so we do not misunderstand what this verse is said. Anytime the word choice or choose is used in the Bible, some folks will try to make that say something that it shouldn't say. They may try to say, well, God decided something and there's nothing any of us can do about it. And that's uh, getting into that series of things that where people say, well, some are elected and some are not. That's not what the Bible teaches anywhere. And it's not what the Bible teaches here. This text is set in the Old Testament, and the context of it is in relation to God's relationship with Israel. Out of the various nations of the world, the Lord did choose Israel for his special people. In fact, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, there the Bible says about Israel, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. So when you read the Old Testament, there is no question, no doubt whatsoever, that the nation of Israel had a special place in God's plan for the ages and that he determined that he would work through that nation to do the things that he wanted to do. And obviously he has done exactly that. Historically, it is very easy to see. Out of the various nations, the Bible tells us that the Lord chose Israel to be, quote, a special people unto himself. In so doing, he gave them a special place with himself. He gave them privileges that others did not have, such as access to the temple, access to him in the temple. Every Israeli was permitted access to the temple. In fact, they were commanded to come into the temple three times a year. They made those pilgrimages if they lived at other places in the nation. 
and they made their way to Jerusalem to honor what the Lord had asked them to do three times a year. Those who lived in Jerusalem and nearby could go to the temple anytime. And the Bible says that that was in order that they could meet with the Lord. And I want to tie on another passage here that is similar to this, also in the Psalms. If you look with me at Psalm 84, verse number 3, it says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And then verse 4 says, Blessed, there's the word again, are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. So does coming to the house of God, impact an individual person? Well, yes, it does. Verse 4 says, they that dwell in the house of God are going to be praising God. Whenever you hang out at the house of God, you come to that place that God has designated as his house, I'm telling you, it's going to impact your life. You're going to have the praise of God on your heart and on your lips whenever you come to the house of God. It's just going to work that way. Now, we look at this passage and it tells us very clearly, I'm talking about Psalm 84 now, it says that our soul should long even faint for the courts of the Lord. We want to cry out for the living God. And he uses that illustration of a sparrow that made a nest in the house of God. Some of those great edifices like the temple would have open courtyards inside where the, the little birds could come and swoop down inside and they'll find a little cranny somewhere that they can make trip after trip and build a nest, lay their eggs, hatch their young, and then feed them and nurture them in the early stages in their infancy, and just really rearing their young ones in the house of God. So we learn from that. We see that he's saying, this is the way it ought to be with all of us. And we just think very clearly and very carefully about this to know that the house of God is a special place and God does promise blessing with that. Now, you think with me about it. The location of the temple is in the famed city, the regal city. It is the city of the kings. And there is the place where God chose that the temple should be located. And just think about the structure of it, architecturally and aesthetically. It is absolutely a fabulous, phenomenal edifice. And whenever you walk into it, you're going to be impressed. And think about the activity there. The attention is focused totally toward the Lord, and it's there that the people are going to meet with the Lord. The Lord gives himself his presence in that place, and we just have to know that it's going to be something special when we go to the temple the house of God in the Old Testament time. And the people who came there, when you walk in, you never know who you're going to see. It may be some famous person. It may be some king. It may be somebody that everybody knows. Or it may be somebody that no one ever heard of. I mean, folks who are known and unknown are coming to the temple in order to follow the directions that the Lord's given. I mean, all of this is set in the Old Testament context, and this passage says that if we do this, we shall be satisfied. 
There are benefits. There's a blessing. I like the Psalm number 122 and verse 1 that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So here we are set in this Old Testament context, but where does this lead us? Why is it in the Bible? Where does it point us? Where do we fit into this? Well, we are now in the New Testament era. And I'm reminded, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, now, not upon Peter himself, but upon the Lord Jesus, upon this rock, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we have the Lord moving some things forward here, and the church comes on the scene in the New Testament era. It's not limited to Israel now, and it's not limited to Jerusalem. The Jews were not the only ones that were to have church. And the place was not just to be in Jerusalem, but instead church was to be set in places all over the planet. That word church, the word ekklesia in the Greek text, means a called out assembly. Thus, we say local church. Now, you say, how do you get that? Well, if you have an assembly, that happens in a location. That happens in a locale. An assembly is in a specific place. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what we have here is church now in the New Testament era. And by the way, church is to be distinguished from the family of God. The family of God includes everybody who has been saved. If you've been born again, you are in the family of God. But church is a local assembly. And if you're going to be a part of a church, you have to put yourself in that place, in that assembly. And it's just two different things. There's not this worldwide phenomenon called a universal church. There's nothing to that. It's just simply a matter that church is a called out assembly, a localized event. Now, remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about today the blessing of God's house. This all started reading that verse in the Psalms, and you say, well, what is it so special about the blessing that I'm expecting to get in God's house? Well, we have the preaching and the teaching that we hear. Every time that we come to the house of God, the Bible's going to be open, God's Word is going to be read, and someone who is designated to do that, and that person usually is the pastor or some other man that's been called of God, he's going to stand up, read the Bible, and then tell you about what he has read. That is the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, and we all need that. Not only that, but at the house of God, we hear the songs that are sung, and those are so special to us. That is when it's good music. Now, what I sometimes call garbage music, I'm not in favor that at all. But I want us to sing the things that honor the Lord. I want us to sing the things that teach the great truths of Scripture, and I want to do it in a decent and orderly fashion. We do not want to get into a lot of this worldly style of music at all. The songs that we sing ought to complement the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. And then, of course, we come to the house of God. We have this assembly because of the fellowship we experience. The fact is, other Christians 
people that are born again get together. Some of them are more mature than others. Some are more immature than others. But the immature ones will glean things from the mature ones. The mature ones will be blessed just by having the opportunity to work together, even with folks maybe that have just been saved, but now they're coming along. So together, that fellowship that we experience does all of us good. Last night, I went to church on a Wednesday night, and just being together there with the people of God, it was a blessing to me and an encouragement to me, and I enjoyed the fellowship as I listened to our pastor preach the Word of God last night. Now, at the church house, we also make commitments. That Psalm 84 passage mentioned the altars of God. Those sparrows made their nest in the altars, and there those little ones that are being hatched in the sparrow's nest, they are being taught all of the things they will need to fly on their own someday. And those commitments made in the altar, I mean our little children, our teenagers, our young married couples, and all of us frequenting the altars of God and making commitments, it does us good. And then, of course, at the assembly we have, the church meeting, we also find ways to serve. And there we plug in. In a variety of ways. Everybody can serve. Everybody can do something. We also give our stewardship. We have the opportunity to contribute to the well-being and the upkeep of the church and to its missions worldwide, whatever it's doing. We understand we make an impact because we are together. Alone, we could never fulfill the Great Commission. Alone, there would be little or no outreach. There would be no bus routes. There would be no soul winning. There would be no missionaries sent. I mean, practically so. There would be so little that would hardly count. But together, assembled. Oh, what a different story that is. And folks, listen, I've seen this work. I'm talking about church. I have seen this work for a lot of people, but you're going to have to put your feet under God's table and eat regularly to get the blessing. Don't just grab a bite here and there and run, but put your feet under the table. Stop, sit down, eat. I mean, do it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever else your church has got going on. And folks, if you're too busy to eat, you're just too busy. And I want you to know this business of church is a sweet, special blessing that everybody gets in on. And I think I've demonstrated that right out of the Word of God here in this broadcast. So go to church when the church doors are open and you'll be blessed. My joy to be with you today, and I look forward to being right back here at this microphone again tomorrow. And I trust you'll join me then at this same time on this station, Monday through Friday. We're here every day, five days a week. In the meantime, I want to encourage you to write to me and let me know who you are, where you live, the station that you're listening to, and I'll be pleased and blessed to know that we're being a blessing to you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099 Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. I'll look forward to having you back here with us on Making a Difference tomorrow. In the meantime, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.